Hello, I'm Willie George, and I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. And we're talking about David and Goliath and spiritual men versus natural men. No better contrast in all of Scripture than this story of David and Goliath. David, even though he's young, he comes onto the battlefield as a spiritual man, and he's the only person on that battlefield that God can work through. And it's because he's spiritual. You know, when you're not spiritual, uh, God cannot work with you. You have to be spiritual in order for the Lord to be able to work with you. And uh, that's what we want to do. We want to teach you how to be a conduit for God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for the foolishness unto him. Uh, he, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned, but he that is spiritual discerns all things. Now, we, we're going to talk about that for a minute. He that is spiritual evaluates all things. Uh, w. Vine, in his uh, Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words, says the word discern here, he that is spiritual discerns all things, or uh, King James may say uh, it, ju he judges all things, but here's what it means. It means determining the excellence or the defects of a person or a thing. In other words, spiritual people can recognize something that's from God and something's of the devil. Uh, unspiritual people can't do that. They don't see it that that plainly. But a spirit, and, and I'm not saying that that spiritual people are always seeing a booger behind every bush. That's that's not what I'm talking about. But they can recognize when Satan is at work. They can recognize Satan's works through people. And uh, that's why it's important to have people around you who are sensitive to the things of God. David knew what was happening when he got onto the battlefield. He recognized that this is something much bigger than me. This is Satan coming against the covenant. And let's talk about the covenant for just a minute because I'm going to read. Uh, I can see it all through Genesis, but let me just read to you the, the two things that God did in the first establishment of the covenant. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country from thy thy kindred from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. you. You see the hint of it right there, land and you. So the covenant is about chosen people and about a chosen land. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless them that bless you. I'll curse him that curses you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now listen to me. This is important. God blesses us not so that we can revel in these great blessings. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing to other people. And the Bible says... And that in verse uh, 7, same chapter here, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And so the Lord had told him, I'm giving you this land. So we got two things going on. We got a chosen people and we have a chosen land. Both are under assault with Goliath. And David is the only man on the battlefield who is spiritual enough to discern this or evaluate this. And that's what discern means. It means determining the excellence or, notice this, the defects of a certain thing. David was the only one who could see defects in Goliath. 
he was able to spot his weaknesses. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not talking about uh, Goliath's slowness or his uh, inability to move quickly. Uh, his eyesight, some have challenged. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that. I, what I'm pointing to is he could see that spiritually, Goliath was in an inferior position to do battle with a man of Israel filled with faith. So, um, what was it then that David saw as a defect in Goliath? Well, number one, Goliath had cursed the people of Israel. God had said very plainly to Abraham, I will bless him who blesses you, and I will curse him who curses you. So God lets it be known that if you curse people who are in covenant with him, it will bring a curse upon you. I, I've seen that play out in my own life. This aspect of God's curse and blessing is still present, is still present on the people of Abraham. The Bible says, if you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed, Galatians 3.29. I have had people come against my ministry down through the years, and, and they may have appeared to prosper for a certain season. But I can give you a list of people who either died prematurely or who had to leave the city, who, who, who had to leave ministry or leave other positions in embarrassment because they came against the work of God. It wasn't me personally, and I knew more than that. I knew it wasn't about me. I knew it was about what I represented. You wrap yourself in the covenant of God. But here's what's important. In order to do that, you have to surrender to the purpose of God in your life. You don't just live any way you want to live and then all of a sudden step into a place and say, okay, God, I'm calling on the blessings of the covenant. When you haven't spent time in God's word, you haven't tried to follow God's purpose, you never seek him, listen to me. You bring your plans to him. Commit your way to the Lord. He'll bring it to pass. You give it to him. You submit your plans to him, your life to him, your... Everything you have, you put in His hands. You surrender to the Lordship of Christ, and you become one with the purpose of God. God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to follow you. Those are people who have a covenant promise of God. But the person who's just doing his own thing, and then when he gets into trouble, says, well, I'm going to get God to bail me out. It isn't going to happen. And I've seen loads of times when people thought that this was like a wand. Uh, just live any way you want to live, and then go grab the magic wand at time of trouble, and they don't get help. Because this is about being dedicated dedicated, committed to the purposes of God. Those are the people who find deliverance. Now, David saw a defect in Goliath. Number one, he cursed God's people. He cursed Abraham's seed. Secondly, he was trespassing on Abraham's land. David knew that God had sworn on a number of occasions that the land of Canaan belongs to the people of Israel. And by the way, in the book of Psalms, chapter 105, it tells us that this promise is for a thousand generations, which we haven't even begun to uh, get into yet. It's for a thousand generations, and it's applicable even today. And so Goliath was in big trouble. Very specifically, God had told Abraham that he was going to give him the land of the Rephaim. Rephaim is a Hebrew word that means giant. 
Goliath was not a full-blooded Philistine. He was in their army. He was a Philistine in purpose and in culture. But blood-wise, Goliath was a Rephaim. And so he had no right to be on this place because God had said, no Rephaim. I'm giving Abraham the land of the Rephaim. And then lastly, David perceived, and he knew this, that Goliath was at a huge disadvantage because he was outside the covenant. Uh, he asked this question for Samuel 17, 26. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And when he tells King Saul, I can fight him, he says, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. So you see, David went with confidence up against Goliath because he was able to see all of the defects of Goliath. He saw that Goliath was in a weakened position. And because Goliath was in a weakened position, he knew that he had the blessing of God to go after him in battle. And, and there wasn't an ounce of hesitation in that. From the moment David heard Goliath speak, he didn't have to work himself up into courage. Immediately, he recoiled against what he heard. Why? He was a spiritual man. David had been meditating. He had been worshiping. He had been preparing his heart. So when the crisis came, he didn't have to become uh, prepared. He was already prepared. You know... Um, one of the things I like to teach our kids at Lincoln Christian School, and I'm, I'm really partial to the football team, so uh, this is one of the things I tell them. You never rise to the occasion. Nobody ever rises to the occasion in a time of crisis. You, you don't. Uh, we, we have this idea that David suddenly came out on the battlefield and he rose to the occasion, and that's not true. David fell to the level of his preparation, and uh, he explains that to King Saul. He said, King Saul, I was uh, keeping my father's sheep and a lion came out uh, of the woods and he grabbed one of our lambs. I went after him, caught him and smote him. Same thing happened with a bear. And there's a reason it's in this order because the, the Middle Eastern lion that existed in David's day, do you know they existed all the way up to about 1870? There were lions in what is the land of Israel. They lived in the wilderness areas and in the Judean wilderness uh, they were smaller than the African lions, so they were not as formidable a foe as an African lion. The next level was the bear, and it's called the Syrian bear. And the Syrian brown bear would be like our grizzly bear. And so that's what David faced secondly. So he was graduating. He had started with this lesser opponent, the lion. Then he moves up to the, uh, the bear that's a little bit more of a challenge. And finally he gets to Goliath. And he knew without hesitation, I can do this because I've done it before. So David fell to the level of his preparation. He was pushed off the preparation when King Saul tried to get him to wear the armor. And he intrinsically knew, I can't wear this. I haven't proven this. In other words, I have to go with how I have prepared. What you do when you are not in battle, how you prepare yourself before battle, what you do before you get into a crisis situation is how you are going to respond in the crisis situation. And that has to do with committing your life to the purposes of God. So this business of seeing God work on our behalf and move for us when we're in a time of trouble 
is not some switch that we flip when things go bad. It is a way of life. And there are a lot of God's people who are not prepared. They do not have a relationship with the Word. They have gotten by on the prayers of other people in the past. They've not taken the time to develop themselves spiritually. They do not have confidence in their own relationship with God. They think that somehow if I can just get a spiritual person to pray for me, and and listen to me, when you're a baby, there's nothing wrong with that. But sooner or later, you are going to have to have your own walk with God. And David, even by what we think is 17, he's already got his own walk with God. And he is ahead of every other man of Israel on that battlefield. So he falls to the level of his preparation, and fortunately... He is able to rise up and do battle spiritually. He knows what to do. And it's not just David's physical prowess with slinging the stone, but there's something about the might of his character. He is driven. In other words, he runs to the giant. He doesn't just tenderly walk up and cautiously approach him. He runs toward the giant, and he takes advantage of the situation. When Goliath falls, David runs to him. He doesn't wait. He goes over. He doesn't cautiously approach him. Uh, <clears throat> I shot a big grizzly bear one time in Alaska, huge grizzly bear. And uh, and this is the kind you want to shoot. You want to get the old ones. And they told me this bear would have died this winter. And that's, that's the kind of bear you want to get. You want to get one who's going to die anyway. And and so, uh, so I shot this bear. But when we approached, I've got a rifle, a big one in my hand. And I am very cautiously approaching that bear. David didn't do that. He ran right to Goliath and uh, uh, reached down and grabbed the giant's sword to cut his own head off. And uh, that's the spirit of faith. David was prepared ahead of time. This is not something he cooked up when he was on the battlefield. He had this before he ever got there. This is an indicator of what true spirituality is. So the spiritual person is a person who is committed to the purposes of God. They are able to discern defects in what they are facing. They are able to see through what is coming against them and to see that it's illegitimate. I am not accepting this. I am not accepting what Satan has thrown at me. David could see that. And that's why he was able to beat the giant. So this is how I want to encourage you with this. You need to develop a time and set aside a time where you feed your spirit on the Word of God. And I'm all for those programs where you read through the Bible in a year and you read a lot of Scripture. That's important. But what's even more important, in my opinion, is that you carve out a portion of a text and stay focused on a text, particularly a promise in those texts. And you meditate that. You commit that to memory. It's something that the Holy Spirit will be able to bring you and apply in your heart later on. And that's what we are doing when we meditate and read the Word of God ahead of time. We are gathering, so to speak, our stones, our weapons, or we're putting bullets into the gun. And the bullet doesn't go off when you load it in the gun. It goes off later when you need it. And that's what you're doing. The Holy Spirit will bring this back to you. David was able to take the stone that he had collected, and and it it came in a time of need. That's what the Holy Spirit does. 
And so he will remind you of what you have read and bring it to you for a time of battle. And that's what the spiritual person does. Well, it's all the time we've got for this, but we're not done with this series. We're going to keep talking about what it means to be a spiritual person. Thank you very much. Thank you.